1: Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast.
3: Welcome in. I hope all of you are having a fantastic day. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. We have got a bevy of stories to hang out and discuss throughout the course of the day with you. We're going to continue to talk about the issues surrounding Trump's legal processes and where we are headed there. Uh, We have got uh, a variety of opinions about when and where these trials will actually take place. We will discuss Snow White, not happy over people saying mean things about her. This is the live-action remake Snow White. Uh, Target with some interesting comments about the impact from all of you. Uh, after they decided that they wanted to sell young children bathing suits that allowed boys to tuck their penises inside of women's bathing suits. Yes, this was a real thing, and it had, had a substantial impact. RFK Jr. is a stain on the Kennedy family. I want to make sure that you guys understand what is being said about anyone who dares to step at Joe Biden in the Democrat Party. Will Kane from out in Hawaii as the fallout continues continues surrounding the devastating wildfire there that has taken over 100 lives with the fear that there will be many more discovered in the days ahead. Uh, All of that and more uh, coming your way. But, Buck, I went three for three. I know I came on as a guest. Awesome time in Salt Lake City. Uh, Appreciate everybody who came out in Leighton, Utah. Uh, Also, last night, hundreds of you came out in Katy, Texas. It was phenomenal. I am now in Tampa, and I'm going to be at the Brandon, Florida. Let's go, Brandon. Easy to remember. Uh, signing the copies of my book at the Books a Million today at five o'clock. As producer Ali says, it'll be a happy hour. So uh, I am headed over there right at five. Cannot wait to meet many of you in Florida at the Brandon, Florida Books a Million. But Buck, I am. I spent a lot of time reading all about this Atlanta. Uh, indictment that has been brought against Donald Trump and I know we talked about it a little Bit yesterday but I am Filled with an absolute Plenitude of Opinions surrounding this Case where it's going and how it Fits into the larger legal Apparatus as they try To bring down De- Donald Trump uh, As we sit here what one Week I believe from the day Of the first Republican debate Which will be taking place in Milwaukee uh, exactly one week from now uh, I know you spent all day yesterday talking about it Three straight times Trump has been indicted And I have been out the next day Which would pay off at an incredible parlay 100 to 1 or better I would think uh, What was your biggest takeaway As you continue to sit and look at the fallout
5: Well on the law It seems And you know we had Andy McCarthy on yesterday to Talk about it So we got pretty deep uh, down into it um, the Rico component of this is more for the headlines than it is for the statute or than it is for the real nuts and bolts of the case. It's oh, they've always wanted to treat Trump like a mob boss. and that's what Re- everyone knows this. That's what Rico uh, brings up in the in the public mind and, and even for people that work as prosecutors, that's generally what they're thinking of, either a drug gang conspiracy or you know uh, organized crime conspiracy. And now they're even saying that uh, Rudy Giuliani, who built his career effectively, I mean, I remember this, he went after all the racketeering in New York City in the construction industry, and that's how Rudy became first kind of America's prosecutor, then America's mayor. And now they're going after him as part of the RICO. Clay, on, on the politics of this, um, again, there's no downside for the prosecutor. There's no downside for the Democrats so, unfortunately, it, it, it's a narrative win for them uh, at this stage, right? They're getting what they want, which is why they did it. Uh, I, I am starting to see, oh, uh, there's a lot of back and forth over, first of all, whether the trials are actually going to multiple trials now will occur before the election or after. Um, there are a lot of folks who are weighing in on actually, can we can we get? So we had this because I wanted you to react to this. I thought of you right away. I think there's going to be at least a couple of these trials before the election. Like, I I just, there's no way that they're going to allow all of this to hang over the election. That's not why they, in my mind, that's not, it's just not feasible for the people that are are pushing these decisions. But the process is a process, and who knows how it's actually going to shake out. Can we play Dershowitz here saying, Heath says, Clay, all four trials will happen and there will be some convictions.
0: I predict there'll be some convictions. I think the strategy is to get bad convictions, but to get them fast in New York, in Florida, in Washington, and in Fulton County. Then they'll be reversed on appeal, but they'll be reversed on appeal after the election. That's why everybody's rushing to get these cases tried. We now know that they want it tried within six months in Georgia. They want a trial in January in Washington, D.C., they want a trial in May. In Florida, New York has been willing to put it off, but they're going to get on the bandwagon too. everybody who is going after Trump. The whole get Trump approach is to get him before the election.
5: Clay, um, I stand firmly with the Dersh on this one. You still seem skeptical.
3: I think he's 100 percent. right. I love Alan Dershowitz. We've had him on this show several times. He is way smarter than me when it comes to analyzing the law. I'm not in any way uh, questioning that. In my opinion, there is a 0% chance that there will be four completed trials before the 2024 election. I think it's possible that the March case surrounding uh, the uh, the bookkeeping error in New York City, that might possibly go to trial. Right now it is slotted for March. I think that's possible. I think that if the chances of there being more than one Resolved court case is nearly zero. Um, and that is because of the complexities that are involved, certainly in the federal cases.
5: So, but I have and to ask, like, what do you think Dershowitz is missing though? Cause he understands the complexity. I think he's assuming that the system is going to run differently because that's the whole point, right? That they're, that the ju- a judge who would normally, Clay, look at these motions and say, all right, we've got it, is just going to say, no, 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 keep going, let's move that the system is, if we believe it's weaponized, why don't we think that the judiciary is a part of it?
3: Okay, so I think you can break them down on a uh, multiple front level. One, I I bet Alan Dershowitz does not know much about the timing of, for instance, Fulton County or of uh, South Florida or of the judicial circuit in uh, in Washington, D.C., because I don't think he would have had an opportunity or a need to be appearing in front of any of those courts. Remember, Julie Kelly uh, has been covering all these Jan 6 cases with a fine-tooth comb. None of them have been tried within a year of the charges being brought. So I think there's going to be so much motioning. There's going to be so much difficulty that it will be virtually impossible to get these cases done. Uh, Atlanta let me give you an example buck there is currently a RICO case that is uh, that is being tried by Fannie Willis who is the uh, the district attorney in this case she's charging a uh, Atlanta area rapper with RICO violations many of the charges very similar to what she brought against Trump they've been trying to seat a jury in that case since January we're now sitting in august so many of the defendants are making motions there are so many different moving parts here remember there are 19 defendants many of those defendants i guarantee you will be trying to argue that they want their own trial because they don't want to be tried alongside of the other defendants i think for just analyzing atlanta in particular I think there's a very strong chance that Trump is going to be able to get the Atlanta, Georgia state case moved to federal court because virtually every act that is alleged to have occurred by Trump took place in his official capacity as president of the United States. Most of those actions taking place in Washington, D.C., out of the Georgia jurisdiction and her overall charges are so expansive that they encompass what was going on in arizona and wisconsin it's kind of the definition of what a federal court uh decision was made for i think there's a very strong likelihood that trump is able to move the charges against him some of these are state charges that i think may well stay in state court against some of these georgia-based officials i think there's a good chance trump gets it moved to federal court i think there's almost no chance of that Almost I, no I, chance of it. Absolutely. I, absolutely.
5: I will, it's a state level offense. The whole reason that Fannie Willis is doing this is because she has more control because of what has happened in the state of Georgia. I get it. I know she I know wants to
3: be, she wants to be in Georgia. There's no doubt, but the defendant has the right. And if we've got a lot of criminal attorneys out there listening, 800-282-2882, I think the, uh, the law is pretty clear that this should be a federal case. Fanny Willis wants it in in district court uh in the state, yeah. uh, but I believe the federal district court. I think that's going to end up getting this case.
5: Uh, okay, I mean, also you brought up January six, for example. Um, how many how many cases were moved out of D.C. of January six defendants? To be fair, January sixth
3: a- arose in Washington D.C. Though
5: that's fair, but. They. Does anyone really think that that's a fair jury pool for those people? No, no, no. But
3: but, I mean, a big part of deciding where a case should take place is the locus—that is, the location of where the event Mm. took place. So if you're charging somebody with storming the Capitol. That took place in Washington, D.C. Right, but but whereas, the defense
5: counsel will argue that they can't get a
3: fair trial. So they I, I get move that. It. But I'm not yeah. I'm saying the the Atlanta case is not based. I mean, it certainly helps Trump to get in federal court, I think. But it's not a fair trial argument. It's that the state of Georgia is not the actual location where most of Trump's alleged criminal conduct took place. And therefore, diversity jurisdiction because of the federal court needing to carry it actually does make some sense. And again, lawyers can tell me if you you disagree, but almost nothing that I read that was alleged by Trump in the lawsuit that was brought in the charges that were brought. The indictment uh, originated in Georgia itself. Right. He was calling, for instance, from the White House. It also directly related to his job as president of the united states meaning there is both a federal defense uh in terms of what he can argue hey this is the job of the president uh and so there are federal law-based defenses that are particularly at play but also almost nothing that trump is alleged to have done himself personally occurred in the state of georgia i actually think there is so a i'm gonna, mar- very I'm gonna mark chance. this down
5: because you're saying yeah. there's none of these trials are going to happen the federal government's going to take over the atlanta trial there's going to be a motion about the early uh posting online right these are things that you think are likely to happen here
3: yes i think all of those things will uh will happen now A lot of this will be dilatory. I I think
5: there will be at least two, if not three of the trials before the election because the people that are bringing all of this know that the fix is in. That's just, I don't, I don't think that they, I don't understand what they don't understand
3: about how the timing of this would work. The motioning on this, again, just South Florida, I think, didn't they say they had six million pages of discovery that they were turning over? South Florida, I think, may, because of the judge, the motions
5: may be treated fairly. I don't think the judge Chutkin, for example, in D.C., is going to say, "All right, you're right. We need a delay of a year, or we need a delay of three months, or I just don't
3: see it. I, I don't think the procedures are going to be capable of getting finished in uh, in a year well, process." Look, Andy agrees with you. The Dersh thinks the uh, opposite, so you know we'll have
5: to see how it actually ends up shaking out here. Because the, to me that just means then trump goes in and out of court the lo- he's paying a lot of lawyers fees and their whole scheme is essentially to just say well he's been charged yeah right i mean, that, I mean I, that's kind of i don't, I don't of the- think
3: i don't think they're going to be able to get the, get him uh tried in maybe in new york because that case is really not very complicated and the punishment is potentially not very significant but i will be uh i would set the over under at 1 uh, I think I would I would put a zero percent chance at four. And I think there's a very good chance that the Atlanta case gets moved to federal court, which the biggest takeaway if it got moved to federal court is that in the event Trump won, he could pardon himself there. Now, Buck, there's actually an interesting legal argument. Yeah, I was going to say, Mark- do you
5: think he could pardon himself from state charges if he's president? Yeah. Or are you on this team now?
3: I I am increasingly of the opinion and I'll lay out why that. I do think the president of the United States could pardon himself from state charges. You do think so? Yes, I do. So
5: basically, Trump wins, and he wins everything, and everything goes away, and it's like the biggest, uh, I, I mean, it's, I don't even know what you could call it, right? Like the most incredible political run that anyone would have ever made in the modern history of the world in some way. Well, ways. he
3: could still lose. I think the fav- whoever the Democrat uh, uh, obviously, nominee
5: Obviously, that's what I was say. Or he loses, and he's facing four criminal indictments that will come crashing down on him without the power of pardon and a Democrat
3: administration to oversee them. That's I think Trump are. either wins or he goes to prison. Well, he said something else. Can we come back to this? He's made it very clear
5: that if he wins, he's also appointing a special counsel. We'll yes. come back to this. This is gonna be re- this is like a retribution election now.
3: Where we're file all of this away on the big board for predictions, by the way, because we're keeping track on the big board predictions uh as uh, as we continue to roll. Um we'll come back in this in a second. Eight hundred two eight two two eight eighty two. Gun owners know this as well as anyone. Practice is the
5: only way you keep your skills sharp. Practice is the only way you master your weapon and make yourself comfortable with how it operates and how you react to it. Between visits to the gun range, I rely on Mantis X to train at home. It's a no-ammo, all-electronic way to improve your shooting accuracy. That's what the Mantis X is. All the best shooters do the majority of their training doing dry fire practice at home. It simply attaches to your firearm like a weapon light. You connect it via Bluetooth to your phone and the Mantis X app. The Mantis X gives you data-driven, real-time feedback in your technique. It also gives you drills and courses. of shooters improve within 20 minutes of using the Mantis X. This product is now being used by U.S. military and special forces. It's military grade technology at an affordable price. Start improving your shooting accuracy today. Get yours at mantisx.com. That's M A N T I S X.com.
1: Clay Travis and Buck Sexton chalk up a win for Team Reality.
2: Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: We're going to head out to Hawaii. where waking up early for us. Is Will Kane of Fox News doing fabulous work helping to raise money? Doing more right now, it feels like, than much of your federal government is uh, as well. Will, we appreciate you getting up with us. I just want to start with this question what does it look like in this area of Hawaii describe what it was like before what it looks like now and what stories you have heard in relationship to this wildfire that swept through last
7: week what's up fellas? nice to talk to you thank you for having me on the uh on the show you know um what's it look like you know clay it's it's this um it's this weird dichotomy like This is the most beautiful place that I've ever been in my life. And, you know, I'm biased. I've been coming here since I was a kid, so I'm I'm very, you know, emotionally connected to it. But, you know, Maui itself and and what we're talking about is specifically West Maui, which is where places famously like Kanapali or Kapalua, famous for sports, clay, you know, golf tournaments in both of those locations, um, sit on West Maui just outside of the town of Lahaina. And it's it's, um, in modern day time really the only the big logistical center point of the town it's only 13 of the whole area it's only 13,000 people but all the resorts all the you know any type of place here it depends on Lahaina for not just groceries and banking and healthcare but for for labor like everybody that works here all the locals they live in Lahaina it's it's where their home is well, more the history, man. It's like um, this was the kingdom of Hawaii. There's a reason it's right here. It was because it was beautifully nestled on West Maui in a calm part of the Big Pacific Ocean between Lanai and Molokai. In the winter, the whales come to, to have to sit here and then have their babies. In the spring, it's just it's amazing, uh, you know. And then it becomes the center of our you know the plantation, uh, pineapple plantation, sugarcane growth, the Christian missionaries. The history of Lahaina is just dates back to the early 1800s. So you've got all this paradise, and it's physically beautiful. And then now, just uh, you know, I can just look off my balcony right here when I'm talking to you guys. So it's it's two miles down the road, and I can see it from this balcony. It's just char. It's it's almost like you know when you see a tornado. Sometimes like it's like the world is upside down. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen that or been in those locations, but like, why is that car over there? And this doesn't make sense. This more looks like, I guess, a war zone is the is the. the comp, which I've never been in a war zone, but it's just everything is gray and and reduced almost to the to the ground, like to the foundation. Cars bombed out, burned out. Um, you have to take a minute and know the geography really well to go, oh that's, oh yeah yeah, that's where that was, that restaurant or that church or that whatever. And so it's it's in a way just 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 gone, just gray, black, nothingness.
5: Will, it's Buck. You know, thank you for uh, joining us today and and telling everybody about what's going on out there. Obviously there's a need, uh, to give support, thoughts, prayers, but also support. I know you've been raising money. You've done a remarkable job so far to try to help with the relief efforts there. On, On the, the cause of this and the response to this, what can you, what can you tell us in terms of where that situation stands right now?
7: So the, let's start with the cause, Buck. And, and so, look, there's no official word yet on what on what caused this. So that day, my mom and her husband were here. That day, I have a lot of friends who live here year round. I know a lot of people were here that day. Here's the story of how that day goes. There was really, really high winds, and people are saying that's a, that's because of Hurricane Dora, which was several hundred miles off coast. But the winds were ridiculous that day, so much so that. um you know, people weren't going out. It wasn't comfortable to be outside. You, you felt like your body would get pushed around. 65-mile-an-hour uh, wind type thing. Some reports of up to 80-mile-an-hour winds. Then it knocks out the power early in the morning. Um, my mom, everybody said, yeah, you woke up that day. You, you didn't have power. And then it was several hours into the day. Then you didn't have cell service. And then the reports that were there were, were – it was a fire early in the morning on the hillside. Now, Back to a little bit of history on this. So the hillsides, when I grew up, was full of pineapples and, and sugar cane. Um, and it's interesting to think about why this went away. But I think NAFTA is a real big part of it. There are government regulations that played a role. That all went away. So that whole thing, like when you get a pineapple, unless it says like Maui Gold or something, that's all Costa Rica, Central America now. So those hillsides that used to be agri- uh, agriculture are now just dry grasses, uh, most of them non-native. And you've got these... Power lines and look, Hawaii's never been a, a beautiful example of government competency. It's never been like, oh, look how perfectly they logistically planned everything. So now you got these 80 mile an hour winds blowing p- uh, power lines down. And this is what most people suspect is the issue. Um, and 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 you have the firefighters put out a fire that day, but later in the day a fire crops up about 4:45. Most think from a downed power line or a hot spot off from the downed power line earlier in the day, and that fire I know I've seen this timeline rips through Lahaina. I think Buck in like 45 minutes, and and so it, the mass chaos that it caused. Government officials talk about government. No sirens. Now we can say was there time? Did it knock out the ability to do a siren? I don't know. Just know this. They test a siren every month, and then when it came real time, no sirens. So people are caught far to the left, far to the right, fire up to the up, upside of the hill. They're running down. They're driving down into a traffic jam on famously Front Street, which runs along the ocean. Next thing you know, there's nowhere to go. So a lot of people died in their car, or they jumped over the seawall into the ocean, and we do not know how many people died and are drowned in the ocean. We have two problems, bodies in the ocean that can't be found, bodies in town, charred beyond all recognition, perhaps beyond all identification, perhaps beyond even knowing that they were ever there, like the the hot burning metal type heat. So a human body doesn't take much to disappear. Real quick, Buck, on the whole government thing, It's, it's wild how informationally deprived this place is because cell service is real spotty, power was out for several days. But the government isn't letting people in and specifically not letting media in. You have to get to a checkpoint to get where I am. And the only reason we got through is because, you know, I had proof that I owned own property over here. But even since I've been here, like they try the mayor of Maui's office told me, tried to kick us out of a place and said, this is a media-free zone. Oh, no, it's not a media-free zone. It's the United States of America. So my point in telling you that is if you are deprived of that resource, information, A, in this area, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of rumor, and people fill gaps of information with some – Look, I don't throw the word conspiracy around lightly anymore because I think there's nobody on a hotter run in America than conspiracy theorists, but there is some ridiculous stuff that's being spread around about the way this thing started, and I'm just telling you that's what happens when you suppress free speech. People will fill the void with whatever speech they want besides the truth.
3: We're talking to Will Kane. He's in Maui. He's reporting with us on the devastating wildfire that swept through and has killed over a 100 people as we await potentially far more deaths uh, to be tallied. And that may be very difficult. You just heard Will said because of even identifying bodies and finding them. How can people help? I know this is up at Clay and Buck, but you have raised over a million dollars. So I want to make sure that we're talking about the positive here. And you mentioned uh, you were answering Buck's question about the government how would you say, based on your on-the-ground view, the federal government is do, doing handling and responding to this? In addition to whatever resources the the state government of Hawaii might be bringing to bear.
7: So here's what I'd say to that, Clay. Um, I I want to be I really truly want to be as fair as possible, and I start with recognizing how difficult this is, logistically in every way, to handle this. But that's kind of why we pay. Massive amounts in taxes, right? To do what's difficult. Somebody told me the other day, like, Maui County has a budget of $1.2 billion for 150,000 people. Where's the money going? You know, not to mention what you're talking about, Clay. How much do we pay in federal taxes? What's that budget look like? How much are we sending to Ukraine? You know, I don't, do we even know the answer to that question? It's over a hundred billion. And Biden first gives me a no comment and then, and then we hear $700 per household for Lahaina. I'm sorry, that's just not going to get it done. And so in the gap, by the way, of this role of the federal government, you've seen something that, that is absolutely inspiring. It's unavoidable. When you're over here, you will. it's unavoidable that you're going to run into the story of private citizenry and community helping each other. I've been doing this on my social media, you know, telling stories. buddy of mine, Sands Dyer, owns a big catamaran that does snorkel, whale watching, sunset cruises. Nope. The past week, he's done supply runs the other side of the island to get people out of this area and bring necessities back. I met two 29-year-old girls, five kids between them. One of them has a seven-month-old, 29-year-old. They're running the biggest private citizen airlift I've ever seen. They're running planes, a dozen a day, planes and helicopters from one side of the island to the other, bringing stuff in and dropping it off at a distribution point where I'm looking then at retired firefighters handing this stuff out to people all up and down the West Coast. It, it, what people are doing in community, running boats from one island to another from Molokai. I can, I'm looking at Molokai right now. They're running boats over here to drop it off in their communities for people to have. We're amazing. Like people are amazing. Americans are amazing. And my personal testament to that Clay is so many people that I've grown up with here in the summers in Hawaii. Families we came together really quick. You, ha- I mean, you can't sit back. It's just really quick. We put a, they put a GoFundMe together. I rallied behind it with them. We made it promise to each other to ensure. This money will go to people we know, local people. And when I say local, I don't just mean this, but I mean in part, Hawaii is not Hawaii without Hawaiians. And there is a lot in Hawaii about, you know, there's, there's, there's race issues, ethnic issues, but the truth is everybody needs each other. It's like a huge melting pot of everybody's, like, story of how they become an American, a Hawaiian. And you got to have these people back in these homes in Lahaina, these homes that go over 100 or 200 years. It can't be Disneyland, you know? It can't be like it was built yesterday, and it's beautiful, and it's resort-like. That can't be the story of how this comes back. So last I looked a minute ago, it's, it's up to $1.5 million. It's GoFundMe, Help the People of Maui, where you can go to now.com And, um, yeah, it'd be, you know, I don't think it's going to happen because I don't know. What is it? Uh, I don't know how many households are in Lahaina. Let's say $4,000, 5000 $700 a household. What is that, guys? Is that like three or $4 million bucks that, so far? uh, Biden is pledged to the people of Lahaina. I don't know. Maybe we can beat Biden.
5: I think so. I certainly hope so. And you see Will Biden initially said no comment and he gave his speech yesterday. Are, are you seeing a, a lot more federal resources in just the last 24 hours?
7: You know, I know, but I, I yeah, you know, how we, I'm hesitant to say, but then you think about it in the last 36 hours, I have seen Lahaina by air on a small plane, by sea on a boat, and I've driven through uh, the town of Lahaina. I've seen this from every freaking angle you can imagine. Now, I have seen National Guard posted up, you know, keeping people out of the sensitive parts of Lahaina. But when it comes to the actual, like, handing stuff out to people, I'm sure it's happening. There's got to be FEMA somewhere. You know, but most of what I've been told is the federal government's role has been to get in the way of citizens stepping up into this void. I
5: mean, we'll kind of say, I I know, you know, the the naval base at Pearl Harbor and uh, there's a lot of resources. There's a lot of federal government resources not that far away in Hawaii.
7: Yeah. And look, uh, and I should say this, what are we six or seven days away, seven, eight days away from the from the fire? Um, people, by the way, people done amazing job. They've got water now. They've got food. They've got diapers. So the, like the necessities are here. You know what the next thing is? It's just like where where do I live? That's like a huge question. Where do I live now? And I don't know how we answer that question. And uh, and and who who rebuilds Lahaina? That's you know I think Clay, you asked me about that a minute ago. People were talking about why this happened, and and we I mentioned conspiracy. Like this is where it's legitimate. Like. Who rebuilds this? Where do we live? And who rebuilds Lahaina? Um, and I think people have a lot of very legitimate questions about that. And, you know, I don't know, the role government. I don't want to see the government coming in and buy that land. I don't want elite developers having all of that land. Now, this has got to be land that goes back to the people.
3: Give us that website one more time, Will, for people out there in our audience who want to help with the $1.5 million that you've already raised for so many people in Hawaii who could use that help.
7: HelpMauiNow.com, it's at, at GoFundMe. And, you know, real quick on that, like, I love Give, and Go, and if I had been the first guy to start this, we'd probably be over there. But I, I should say this. Instead, somebody started a GoFundMe. It's Help the People of Maui uh, at GoFundMe. I'll just tell you guys this. I'll, my job is to tell you the truth. GoFundMe so far has been awesome, including reaching out to me personally to ensure that this goes well, and including making their own donation to the fund as well. GoFundMe seems to understand you know, the relationship that they have or the mistakes they've made in the past is what they've been communicating to me, and they seem to be very intent on being much better in the future. That doesn't mean you don't use go, give, send, go, these kind of things. I'm just telling you the truth, that this is information that's a fact that's happened to me in the past week. So either way you want to go, uh, that's, that's where you can find it. Will, thanks it's you so I'm on man. the
3: Clay and Buck website as well, uh, and we appreciate you getting up early with us and sharing the story there, Will.
7: I always appreciate you too, guys. Thank you so much.
3: That's Will Kane. Check out clayandbuck.com. Go make a donation today. Number shocking. More than 38,000 U.S. veterans experiencing homelessness across our nation. These are heroes who signed up to protect and serve, and now they're sleeping on our nation's streets. Tunnel the Towers Foundation is committed to helping these heroes who have sacrificed so much for our country, our freedoms, and for us. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel the to Towers, providing housing assistance and services to U.S. veterans who meet the program's requirements. The Foundation's program helped over 500 veterans last year, and more than 2,000 are expected to receive help this year. These are veterans who honorably served our nation, deserving of our gratitude. If you or someone you know is a veteran who is homeless or at risk of homelessness, Complete the Foundation's Inquiry form at t2t.org. More than 38,000 heroes who put their lives on the line for us need your help. You can help by donating $11 a month at t2t.org. That's T, the number
1: two, t.org. From the front lines of truth, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. <laughs>
5: Alright, second hour of Clay and Buck and uh, we'll, we'll return to some of our some of the, the legal process questions here which are intricate and I have a couple of, I actually have a, a friend who's a, a former um, uh, federal prosecutor, who's texting me about it right now saying, you know that it is complicated but basically the federal judge Clay in Atlanta in Atlanta for that district uh, judge will be able to um weigh in on whether it stays in federal court or not so it is not up to the state judge it's a motion that goes to the federal judge removal is automatic based on a filing
3: of notice all right man we'll we'll get we'll get into some more of this but so everybody out there listening is going to get basically a crash course in constitutional law over the next year and it's impossible to avoid it and And to your point, like, this is stuff that even makes lawyers' heads roll back into their head. I mean, you have to be a process scholar in order to even think about how all this is going to play out. And I hope Trump has elite legal representation, uh, which we have talked about before, because this is when you definitely need the best lawyers in your quiver, so to speak. And there's also going to be an
5: element of chance here. Uh, The Clay and I were just talking about this uh, a moment ago. And uh, based on the way trials normally go... These four indictments, Trump would be, if he were just a normal person, like an everyday person, he'd be in court. First of all, it would, it would be delayed. Certainly, uh, it wouldn't happen in the next year. As I think there's no doubt about that. He'd probably be dealing with these legal issues for years to come, yes. right? Me- years and years. I mean, he might be four or five years out still figure, but this is not normal. That's the, pro- this is not normal in so many ways. And uh, just the fact that all of these cases, Clay, were held, all of them simultaneously, the indictments brought so that they are timed during the election year, effectively, yeah. during the election cycle, really, that's not normal. That was, That's not an accident, right? That's not coincidence. This is people trying to scheme the system and weaponize it against Trump, as we've said so many times. So it's with that in mind that, that I, I think we're trying to figure out where this all goes. If he gets the right judges... Or if the appeals court and perhaps even the supreme court steps in, maybe that is the salvation of justice here. But it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a bit of a wild ride. I wanted to just switch gears for a second. I'm pretty sure at one point on Rotten Tomatoes, I th- okay, I- I'm not, I don't want to say the number, but it was certainly like a top five uh, for a while on Rotten Tomatoes in terms of audience loving it. And I think it was the most watched or the most beloved movie that Netflix had rights to for a while, The Blind Side. Yes. And I, I would wager that, what, 75% of the audience has seen this movie probably? I, I think that's fair. I mean, it's between theaters and TV. This was a, it made $300 million domestically. Uh, it is a Sandra Bullock uh, film. And... It's about the Tui family, and it's a very, it's a very feel-good movie. Like, you know, everyone, I think, comes away from it feeling like, wow, it's such an inspiring story. And now, Michael Orr, I'm saying his name right, right? That's right. Yep. Yeah. Um, he played in the NFL for a number of years. Uh, the movie is based on his life story and, and the, the Tui family. He went to the NFL for a number of years, made something like $30 million as a player. And he has turned around now. And now I'm trying to get into what's reported versus what is established. Essentially said that he was taken advantage of by the Tui family. I mean, this is a big, for a lot of people that love that movie. And it, it takes, it's a, was it Tennessee? Tennessee? Yeah, it? Memphis. Yeah, it was Memphis, right. Yeah. Okay. It takes place in Tennessee. Um, do you have a, you, you know, what can you tell us about this one? Cause this is like pop culture world, sports world now in the just the new cycle of politics you, you think the Tui family is getting a a, a unfair rap here cuz to me it seems like really after all these years and all the money that was made and all the stories now this uh, this guy or turns around and says allegedly he wanted 15 million dollars from them
3: yeah so uh for people out there who re- who don't remember this movie this is a uh, high school kid in memphis whose family is incredibly impoverished he is a very talented football player he plays left tackle uh eventually for ole miss that's the university of mississippi uh he's drafted in the first round he makes i think 35 million dollars during his career eight years in the nfl first round draft pick and uh the story of the blind side is that he is adopted by this wealthy white family in Memphis that allows him to fulfill his full expectations. And the movie is, like you said, Buck, made over three hundred million dollars. I think didn't Sandra Bullock win an Oscar for this? In yes, terms of yes, she I did. Think, it,
5: it it's I think commercially her most successful film ever. Certainly uh higher on the thespian scale than,
3: say, speed, which, while enjoyable, is preposterous. Speed is fantastic. I and love it. The funny it's thing is, but... How many speeds did they make? The first speed was... uh, They made speed two, right? It was a cruise ship. Think about that <laughs> for a second.
5: It goes from, you're on a bomb... There's a bomb on the bus, and if it goes below 45
3: miles an hour, it blows up to, you're on a cruise ship! <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah that the, the the premise of the initial speed was tough to look a while that was keanu reeves with uh, Sandra bullock right am i correct in the original is, speed yeah i was a big keanu fan
5: before the john wick franchise
3: uh and even better you're suggesting for Sandra bullock than miss congeniality which i think they also made multiple versions of or wasn't she uh the girl uh love interest in the firm Back in the day, uh, isn't that Sandra Bullock with Tom Cruise in the initial no, The firm? No, no,
5: that's, um, that's, oh, you're uh, right. uh, uh, Ashley Judd. No, no, not Ashley Judd. Nope, nope, nope. It's, um, Archer, I think. Ann Archer, does that sound really? right?
3: I can't yeah, remember. The firm? The firm? All right. Well, it wasn't, oh, Sandra Bullock was in a time to kill. Gene Triplehorn. Okay. That's the other one. Uh, It doesn't, I think she looks like Ann Archer. I was, yeah, they do look a little bit alike, but I think Sandra Bullock was in a time to kill. That's the Grisham novel that I was, wasn't she the love interest in a time to kill with Matthew McConaughey? Yes. Yes. Okay. I think, uh, so Sandra Bullock, who we now have established as an actress in a lot of movies that all of you know. Uh, so I think this is a totally, this is my opinion. I know Michael Orr. I think I've met the twoies at some point, uh, in uh, historically. I think this is a totally uh, trumped-up lawsuit. And I know the initial storyline, it got all the attention. Everybody said they stole all the money from him. First of all, Buck, I would think the accounting of what the twoies made from the blind side would be very easy to uncover. And they claim that they didn't make that much money and that they gave an equal share to everyone who was involved in the movie. They have two biological children, Michael Orr and the parents. But here's where I come down on this. The Tui family is worth a couple of hundred million dollars, irrespective of anything that they made off the movie. The reason why they were wealthy and they were able to take in this kid and their kids were going to a fancy Memphis private school, Briarcrest, I believe. And by the way, we are number one in Memphis. I bet there are people who know the specifics of this listening to us right now. The reason why they were able to be so generous and able to take in Michael and able to support him was because they were already supremely wealthy. So I just look at it from the baseline level here. They didn't make very much money relative to their net worth off of the movie. It seems highly unlikely to me that they somehow stole and bamboozled Michael Orr to take Hundreds, uh, you know, tens of millions of dollars out of his pocket and put into their own. Again, I could be wrong, but just the basic facts here don't suggest to me that they could have made enough money that even what's being alleged would have impacted their lifestyle in any way.
5: Uh, do we know how Michael Orr's finances are these days? I mean, no. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. You know, how did, how did he handle the thirty five million dollars he made as a player? Because that would yes. go toward motivation for this kind of thing, you know. If he's if things are going well and he saved, uh, but you know, if he spent a lot of it, it, it is stunning. I know it's not. There are a lot of athletes who now you know started their own brands, you know, tequila brands and whatever, um, who've made a ton of money. But it, it's amazing how some athletes are able to burn through. Didn't Allen yes. Iverson make a uh, hundred? 100- 120 million dollars playing
3: basketball and at one point like in the last 10 years said he was broke or close to it yeah they, like they actually buck were so concerned that he was going to spend all of his money that they built a trust with 50 million dollars in it that he was not allowed to uh to actually touch to take care of his family and himself in later age because his spending was so outlandish that You're right. Same thing happened with Antoine Walker. He made over a $100 million, later went bankrupt. And what's remarkable about this buck is it's hard. It's hard to spend that kind of cash and not have appreciable assets, right? Like, if you go out and buy six homes, the homes still have a value to them. What we're talking about a lot of times is money being spent cash, and it just vanishes, right? You're spending $300,000 at a restaurant or at a party or something, and it's all cash and it just vanishes and there's no tangible asset with it.
5: I'll also I'll also say this: uh, the, there's the, there's a report out. You know, to be fair, we don't know if this is true, but this is being reported on right now that um, Michael Orr wanted fifteen million dollars or would say bad stuff about them in the media. Yes, uh, you know that feels a little bit like blackmail. Uh, that feels a little bit like extortion. Uh, you know, that's there's something about that that, uh, you know, was that really the you know there? You would think that if there was a an issue with life rights, which they had to sell their life rights for the movie to be made. Um, you know, there's some there's already been some discussion of this. This is what lawyers handle, right? You you, yeah. you take this to the lawyers first to say, give me fifteen million dollars, or I'm going to ruin your reputation, or you know, try to. Um, I, that, that doesn't look, it just doesn't pass the smell test for me. Something's going on here.
3: Yeah. And, and also, again, I just come back to, this shouldn't be very difficult. The movie accounting, there will be checks. There will be a, a roster of exactly how much was paid. And if Michael Orr didn't get his fair share of the movie, then I think that would be relatively easy to prove. Uh, the other thing is he claims that he was not actually adopted by them. But this is a legal technicality because he was already 18 when they decided that they wanted to uh, to be involved with him. And so they did a conservatorship and set instead. I feel like we're just diving into one legal complexity after another buck. Uh, and so much of news stories now are connected to legal-related issues. But a lot of times I just take a step back and I say, okay, does this seem likely? Does it seem likely that a family that's worth a couple of hundred million dollars would decide to give nothing to Michael or and pocket all of the money themselves and none of this becomes public for 15 years after the movie is made and then suddenly it explodes? That seems unlikely to me. Maybe I'm wrong, but it just doesn't add up. That it, I, I understand when people sometimes steal money. Usually people steal money a lot of times, Buck, because they don't actually have the money, right? Um, it doesn't seem like that's the case with the Tuies. So we'll find out how much money was actually outstanding. And let me just say this. If you're in Memphis and you know this story, we're number one in Memphis right now. It's a, it's an ugly story, but I would think a lot of people listening to us right now may be very, very familiar, uh, with this case in particular.
5: According to, I don't know. This is one of the, Clay, it's a, it's a sports site and I don't want to give them any extra. Oh, no. Cause it's not, it's not outkick, the good sports site. Yes. Um, another sports site saying that, uh, or claims he made, uh, n- basically made no move, no money from the blind side. And people are saying his estimated net worth is like, you know, 10 to 15 million dollars. I think something like that. So. Um, let me see. According to court filing to negotiated contract of two hundred twenty five thousand dollars, in addition to two point five percent of the film's net proceeds for themselves or alleges he received nothing in terms of money for the film that would not have existed without him. Um, I, I mean, I think, Clay, right, this will just it's funny. We are lawyering this thing, right? This will come down to did he sell his. Did he sell his life rights as part of this? I mean, uh, you know, or, or was that even was that necessary? You would think it would have to be necessary for this story to be told.
3: Yeah, he signed he signed away his his life rights to this, and and I believe what the Tui's are saying is that they basically everybody who was in this movie and the Tui family, the two parents, the two kids, and or who were all characters, each got one fifth of the overall value uh of whatever dollars eventually came out of that movie. And again, that's why I'm saying from an accounting perspective, like the the it either got paid or they yeah. didn't. This doesn't seem very complicated. I mean, and if that's true, then that's true. <laughs> that the numbers if
5: the numbers are real and that's what happened. I mean, you know, you signed something, you're an adult, you got your
3: piece of of the pie, and that should be that, right? Yeah. It's exactly right. Uh, but we'll take some calls. Maybe there's people out there who are more knowledgeable about this in the Memphis area. I'd love to hear uh, how that's all shaken out. In the meantime, online identity theft happens more often than you'd think with the number of data breaches happening at big companies, hospitals, school districts, only a matter of time before you or a family member, a victim of this kind of crime. When cyber hackers break into a company's computer systems, get your info. You don't get an immediate notification. You find out when someone has opened a new bank account in your name or run up charges on your credit card. So how do you protect yourself? With LifeLock's Online Identity Theft Protection. Important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Your personal info gets exposed so often it can make it easy for a cybercriminal to steal your identity. When you have LifeLock, you have protection. Systems monitor online transactions and the billions looking for evidence of your info being in the wrong hands. If you become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated U.S.-based LifeLock restoration specialist will work to fix it. They're so good, so helpful when you need the help the most. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. It's easy, however, to help protect yourself with LifeLock. Join now and save 25% off your first year with promo code Clay. That's 1-800-LIFELOCK, online at LifeLock.com. Use my name, Clay. That's C-L-A-Y as the promo code for 25%
1: off. Learn and laugh. Weekdays with Clay Travis and Buck Sexton.
4: Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Talking about one movie, let's talk about another for a few minutes here. Uh, this goes to some different issues. Um, Snow White is, I don't know, I think it might be the most celebrated and beloved of the Dis- of the classic Disney cartoons. It's either Snow White or Sleeping Beauty. Team, tell me which one of those made more money. I would think Snow White, but I don't know. Sleeping Beauty was also a big one. Um, they're doing a live action remake, as you as you know. Uh, it's coming out in 2024, uh, and it has Rachel Zegler in the role of Snow White. Now she has these are old clips. I will say this. I think they're from a year ago, maybe. Uh, where she was giving some interviews. Let's, let's start with some of the things that she had said that got her to a place where now she's having to do a little bit of cleaning up the mess that she has made for herself. Uh, here she is. This is September, well, September 11th of 2022, actually talking about Snow White, which she is starring in play 10. The original cartoon came out in 1937 yeah. and very evidently so um there's a big focus on her love story with a guy who literally stalks her Yeah. <laughs> weird yeah. Weird. Super weird so we didn't do that this time so no,
6: so no prince or a different kind of prince
5: we have a different approach to what i'm sure a lot of people will assume is a love story just because like we cast a guy in the movie right. andrew burn great dude yeah. um it's uh, a. it's <laughs> One of those things that I think everyone's going to have their assumptions about what it's actually going to be, but uh, it's really not about the love story at all, which is really, really wonderful. And whether or not she finds love along the way is anybody's guess until 2024.
0: All of Andrew's scenes could get cut. Who knows? It's Hollywood, baby.
5: Let's take a timeless and cherished love story, Clay, and remove the whole love story thing because charming princes and all that stuff, that's bad. We, we can't have that. The male-female
3: dynamic here, unacceptable. Not only that, Buck, let's also remove all of the lovable dwarves, which help to provide some comedic levity in what is otherwise, let's be honest, a pretty dark story for much of the time. I mean, the, the evil witch is, uh, as anybody out there who has watched Disney movies as a kid, as you can well remember, I mean, she's very creepy and scary, and so you're eliminating two of the things that people love about this movie, the love story. I saw the Babylon Bee had a really funny headline and I'm paraphrasing here, Buck, but it was basically Prince Charming no longer kisses Snow White. And uh, as a result, she stays dead, uh, because the, the, the spoiler alert, the movie ends with Prince Charming coming, kissing Snow White, bringing her back to life after she's been poisoned by uh, the, the, the evil witch. And so you take away the dwarves, you take away the love story and you put in this woke actress who is ridiculing the movie itself and denigrating it to an entire universe of people who grew up with it and like it. And I think this movie, this is my prediction, is coming out next year, Buck. I think that it is going to be such an abject failure that it's going to be impossible for Disney to not acknowledge that they have lost their way and alienated their base, which is parents who just want their kids to be entertained by wholesome entertainment.
5: Well, there's an indicator that they're starting to see that could happen, that this could play out in that way, because the actress, who's the lead, who is Snow White, Rachel Zegler, is... she just Now, this is the new thing. This is why we're talking about this today. She's released a video where she's saying, of course, things are being taken out of context about what she said about the movie. <laughs> out of context. Play 11. You know, going to get taken out of context. And I know that at this point, I can't really stop people from doing that because that's what my whole existence on the Internet is, is just me being taken out
1: of context and...
5: uh, which is fine that's what I signed up for isn't it Um, but I never want it to come off as me being ungrateful for the opportunities I have when I say that this has been the biggest adjustment of my life like understanding the way my life operates now being who I am and the things that I've been so fortunate to make it comes with so much ground so much ground that I never thought I would be able to
0: cover and that people think I'm doing poorly and other people think I'm doing gracefully, and I don't think I'm doing it at all.
5: <laughs> you know what I'm sure of?
3: Oh. She thinks about herself a lot. <laughs> That's, she I, she definitely has the ability to think about her. I just... Think about how difficult it is to be hated. This is almost Meghan Markle-like to me. You are... Like, Meghan Markle is a princess who is incredibly good-looking that uh, gets to be uh, a legitimate princess. Almost every woman... Uh, And listening to us right now, at some point when she was a girl, dreamed of being a princess. This is why they have all of the entire Disney princess collection. It's not because women are being forced to believe that they want to be princesses. It's because growing up, getting married, having a family is the aspiration of 90 percent of women. All right. And if you're in the 10% that doesn't want to do that, more power to you. I'm not saying anything wrong with it. 90% of women out there want to grow up, they want to get married, and they want to have a family. And if they could be a princess on top of that and marry Prince Charming, oh my goodness, life could not get any better than that. So this girl gets cast Buck as Snow White. She is incredibly good looking. She is getting highly paid to play an iconic character in one of the most – uh prestigious, and well-liked companies until the last few years in American history when it comes to entertainment. And what did she just say there? Woe is me. I'm a victim. I had no idea what I was stepping into. You're an actress. You're playing an iconic role. Your life is not hard. I'm sorry. Suck it up, buttercup. And how about this, Buck? I wonder on some level whether Disney is going to Batgirl this movie. Remember Batgirl? They watched it, and they said it's so bad at Warner Brothers, they just burned it. They're not even going to release it. They spent a $100 on it, and they were like, this is a failure. We're taking the right tax write-off. I wonder if Disney's going to take a tax write-off on the new Snow White. I really do. I don't... I mean, look, it has happened
5: before, so you can never say never, but... Well, they're they're putting a a lot of money into this, and this is, I I think we're in a different environment here. I mean, to tie this into some of the bigger things we're seeing, Target stock price is way down. Bud Light is a do you even they were giving it away by the case, and now I think they're just not even stocking it on shelves anymore. Bud Light has been destroyed as a brand. Target has gotten hit hit uh, pretty seriously as a stock. you know, Disney and, and Ron DeSantis, there was that whole tangle. Uh, I, I think that these companies are starting to realize now that it's like the sleeping giant of the right has woken up and is not yeah. happy with all this woke stuff. And it really, you know, what it really was when they're going after it's the, the, the transgender stuff. Yes, but also going after the kids trying to indoctrinate kids. That was certainly the case with some of the uh, the backlash to the pride displays at target um people have just had enough so i what i'm saying is i think disney i think the disney of a few years ago be like whatever we're disney we're we're on the cutting edge we're progressive that's how we do things now and now they might be like oh just kidding we don't mean it
3: well i mean think about buck the panic that the pr people had pr somehow got what's this what's this actress's name rachel what's her name rachel zegler I have no idea what she's done before, all right? So she's Snow White to me. I guarantee you they got little Snow White there on the phone, and they said, hey, millions of people have watched your arrogant, condescending interview where you denigrate everything that people loved about the character that you're playing and also insulted anyone who liked the original movie and said the new one was going to be nothing like it. And so you should maybe go out there and make it clear that that's not really what you meant and then she puts out a new video and it makes me like her even less. <laughs> because at least if she buck, if she had just owned it and been like, hey, I think that uh, the original Snow White is sexist. I think that it is uh that it is indefensible, that they want girls to grow up and marry princesses, and I and I I stand nothing for it. I think dwarves were demeaned. I would think she was a loon but at least she would own what she's saying. Now she's like, oh, people are paying too much attention to what I say, and they're taking everything out of I said out of context. If you play a substantial portion of a quote from someone, I don't think that's considered taking it out of context, right? You take one sentence out of a larger paragraph, I think everybody kind of got the sense that she wants to modernize Snow White and thinks the old one is outdated and antiquated. And guess what? Most Disney viewers, I don't think, think that. I don't think most parents who put their kids down in front of that movie think it. And
5: I have to wonder. I have to wonder how Disney is going to continue to respond. Let's say that this is a... um Wow, Snow White was, at its time, the highest-grossing film of all time Yeah. until Gone with the Wind took the title. Snow White was, in its time... The ultimate box office. So yeah, way bigger. I, I think
3: than, uh, let me see.
5: I'm trying to check the, uh, yeah. There are people
3: I mean, out there that are angry because you just basically took a shot at Bambi, Peter Pan. Like you just totally dismissed all, all of the original, uh, iconic. I'm just uh, looking Disney. at the dollars and cents there, buddy. I don't throw it. me under the bus on this I, one. I get it. Right? I just, I don't want Big Disney coming for you because Peter Pan and Bambi fans out there just are, are, are driving off the road when you took shots at them with the Snow White. So you'd have to look at adjusted for inflation and all that. Yep.
5: Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, uh, made $1.48 million in 1937. Uh, so it goes way back. Sleeping Beauty in 1959. So a couple of decades later made $6 million. And then Beauty and the Beast in 1991 made $25 million. Now that's obviously very different in terms of, uh, adjusting for that that's not adjusted for inflation but those are like the the original disney super hits if you will
3: the uh it was so popular buck they made at the 1937 oscars maybe the 1938 oscars they made walt disney a special oscar with seven little dwarves uh alongside of the oscar statuette and i believe it's still the case if you adjust for inflation, I could be wrong on this, but I think Gone with the Wind, which came out in 1939, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's still the highest grossing movie of all time. If you adjust for box office inflation, because obviously a ticket today costs you know, $15 or whatever it costs to go to a movie compared to probably 20 cents when, uh, when I would bet something like that when Disney were, uh, when, uh, the Snow White movie came out.
5: I don't, I don't have kids, so I don't know about these things anymore. Um, but Tangled, did you even know there was a Disney movie called Tangled? According to this, made $260 million in 2010.
3: Well, that's basically the Rapunzel story, right? Am I right about that? You tell it's me some Chief. girl with long hair in a, in a castle, if I remember wow. correctly. I,
5: and I left out Cinderella, uh, Cinderella 1950 made $2.9 million. All right, here we go. Support U.S.-funded resources, my friends. The Phoenix Capital Group invites you to invest in the heart of America with our domestic energy corporate bonds. Phoenix Capital connects private investor principal with direct investments in domestic energy assets. Your venture in these U.S.-backed equities can gain up to 9 to 12% annual interest paid monthly. It's a vote of confidence in the American dream in the unwavering spirit that built our nation. To find out more, download the Phoenix Group's free investment packet today at phxonair.com. Investment and bonds have a certain amount of risk associated with it, and you should only invest if you can afford to bear the risk of loss. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Learn how you can diversify your investments and earn 9 to 12% APY. Download the Phoenix Group's free investment packet today at phxonair.com.
1: Get to know the guys outside the issues. Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck, a new podcast. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
1: He has the smarts.